Guys, it's great to be here with you guys. Thank you guys for coming out um, today and uh, worshiping with us. Um, there's, uh, there's some thing, acknowledgments that i like to give. Uh, first of all, it's so great to see Paul and Julieta McMillan, the family here. Wow, all the way from Texas. Uh, so that, that's, that's a really nice surprise. Um, it's great to see them. Um, as well, um, definitely um, we want to keep uh, um, a couple of people in prayer. Um, uh, first of all, it's uh, Letty Newland. You guys know Letty over here. Her niece is in the hospital, and so she's requesting if we can pray for her, her uh, a girl. How old is she? She's three years old. Um, and so we're going to pray for her. And then, of course, I want you guys to meet Robin. They're, her mother-in-law is here. Yeah, so, so thank you for being here again with us, Robin. And um, as well, um, I want to put up a slide for you guys. And we want to keep uh, George Maybe's um, uh, family in prayer. Uh, he, he passed this last, this, uh, I think it was Wednesday night. Um, and so they're doing the uh, funeral service on, um, on Wednesday. And then the, I think the viewing's on Tuesday. The funeral service is Wednesday afternoon. So if we can make sure we keep them and uh, his family in prayer with that, okay? Um, and uh, just uh, an, an update on the Carrillos. You know, they, they start their official date uh, as a couple is uh, November the 1st. So, um, and they're currently looking to rent somewhere. You know, they're actually in town this weekend or something like that, or today. They're, they're looking to rent. Uh, so they're visiting different homes and checking things out. And then uh, Robert's first day is actually October the 15th, but he's doing some things for the LA Church or something, you know. So we won't see him until like November the 3rd is their official day here. Okay, uh, with that. So uh, with that, guys, let's go ahead and say a word of prayer, and uh, let's have a great sermon, and let's have a great fellowship afterwards. Amen? All right, let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, we uh, want to thank you, God, so much for today. Thank you that uh, your grace, Father, uh, covers us, God. Um, Father, thank you so much that uh, you've chosen us out of this world and you've changed our hearts, Father, and uh, we're in Christ now. And um, Father, thank you that you're working in us, um, God, to create a, 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 new, a newer and a new being in us, God. Um, Father, we want to pray, Father, for um, just uh, uh, let these, uh, just niece, God, who's a uh, um, father for surgery or not having a surgery, but I pray you please would protect her, um, Father, the baby, God, and um, God, please be with the doctors and the nurses, God. Uh, please uh, give them the right plan of action, God, that is going to meet her needs, and uh, please protect her, Father, from any human error. And um, I better we pray, Father, for good health, God, for her, and please comfort the family. I pray that everything results in giving you praise and giving you thanks. Uh, Father, we want to thank you so much for our brother, George Maybe, Father, who uh, uh, many of us knew here in uh, Long Beach Ministry. We thank you so much for his life, God. We pray that uh, you'll please be with uh, his family as they, um, they mourn the lo his lo the loss, God. And I pray that, Father, that uh, whatever the church can do, God, to uh, be a comfort to them, uh, please help us to do it, God. Uh, we just want to say thank you. Please be with us now, Father, as we uh, look into your word, God. I pray that it's inspirational. I pray that it's uh, moving. I pray that, Father, it really meets, Father, a need, God. Just thank you so much. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, you know, we have uh, uh, something that I feel like God is uh, steering me in a certain direction is, uh, is, uh, is teaching lessons with other people. You know, I'm usually like, let me teach and somebody else shares. Uh, and uh, today uh, I'm going to be co-teaching this lesson with Tao, uh, with Tao Chow. Uh, so I am uh, um, really excited about it. And um, back in early uh, September, um, Tao... Um, he sent me a lesson just called the house cleaning. 
and um, and I th- and, you know it was just just it was it was just right you know with the times that that we were uh, um, going through, and are still going through. Now we got a new place and stuff, and so this lesson was really inspirational to me. And uh, I thought, you know, why don't we do this? At first, I thought I was going to send you guys the email with the lesson. I thought, you know, this is just so great to look at. Why don't we just teach it? And uh, so we're going to take a look at that. And so I think about what, um, uh, why is this lesson so important on house cleaning? And we're going to look at the King Hezekiah. Um, but what, the reason why it's important to me is that, uh, you know, if we don't change from within, uh, we will end up in the same place spiritually. You know, individually and as a whole, right? Um, and it kind of reminds me of the saying, uh, you, you can take the girl out of Texas. No offense. You know, we have some people right there. Uh, but you can't take the Texas out of the girl. You know, or, or more closely, you can take the boy out of the hood or the barrio. Uh, but you can't take the hood or the barrio out of the boy, Right. And, uh, you know, we could always as well. And so we have to do some internal work, um, you know, um, because otherwise, you know, then just because we change the location, you know, things aren't going to change. And so this lesson is really meant for us to be um, to really reflect on, uh, in ourselves and um, and then to be able to see how we can apply that, you know, as a ministry as well. And um, and I just want to remind us today that God really honors humility uh, reflection and repentance, and um, you know one of the part part of the scripture we'll look at. The thing that I really liked about it is that uh, you know sometimes when you read the passage, of course you think it's a great victory and everybody changed at all at once. That's not what you find in, in the passage that we're going to read. Uh, you, you're going to find that some people really took to it and some people didn't take to it, and then uh, but there was no judgment. And it was through time where other people started to come and, and they started consecrating themselves. Um, but, um, you know, King Hezekiah was really an inspirational uh, uh, just man, king. Um, it's it said of him that uh, he is the greatest king, um, you, know, uh, at, you know, so Israel was, was a united nation. And we all know about, um, we all know about David, right? And we all, you know, we were man after his own heart and stuff. After the, 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 the kingdom divided, after which was uh, after Solomon, um, you know, the, the Israel divided into two different nations, the north and the south. Uh, king Hezekiah, there, there is no greater king in, in, in the history of Judah than King Hezekiah. And uh, he is just so inspirational that for me, I just look at him and I'm thinking, wow, just, uh, just a man of faith. And... Um, you know, but um, uh, and, and so I'm encouraged. And, uh, you know, he's the greatest king because of his faith in God under so much pressure. Anybody f- feel under pressure? Uh, you know, I feel like sometimes like our song is, uh, you know, the queen's under pressure. You know, like, you know, that song? You know, I feel like that's our theme song right now. You know, it's like Don and I are like, we're under a lot of pressure. And so, you know, we're all facing a lot of pressure. And, uh, you know, but King, and King Hezekiah was under a lot of pressure. And we're going to look at that. And, uh, but, you know, what really stood out was just that he's known as the greatest king because of his trust in God. Um, and, and we're going to read a passage of that. Now, how many of you like house cleaning? Oh, some of you. I, it's like, I think there, there's like four of you, right? There's like just four of you. You know, and uh, yeah, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, how about how many of you avoid house cleaning? Yeah, that, that's me. Like, we avoid it. I'm like, man. 
<laughs> yeah, you know. But you know what? Uh, but we love the end product, right? We, we love that, you know, there's just a feeling of uh, just refreshing. You kind of, uh, after you, you house clean, uh, you, you, you enjoy going back home. You know, it feels good to be able to do that, you know. Uh, but you know what? It, it takes a lot of work, right? Um, yeah, it takes a, uh, just a lot of work. And so, you know, today, um, Tao and I want to lead us to do some house, uh, some personal and some ministry house cleaning. And uh, so I want to show you this slide on uh, King Hezekiah. So um, because, you know, we've heard so much about, you know, King Hezekiah and um, there's actually three events, that, that major events that, that have happened in his life, and I want to break these down for you because we're just going to look at one, but it'll help you piece things together because, you know, sometimes we hear all these stories, and it's like, oh, that's the same king, you know. Uh, but the first, the, the, the first part um, is, is his effort to uh, reform the nation, and that's the part we're going to be looking at today. But Steve Stain did a lesson on King Hezekiah. You guys remember when King Hezekiah was the one who did the, the, the aqueducts and uh, the Assyrians were being attacked, and he said, why should these people have water when they come to our cities? And so they built all these, uh, these sophisticated aqueducts, and, you know, that, that was him. As well, he was the one as, as well that, um, you know, God told him that it's like, you know, um, you know get your things in order. You're going to, uh, you'll be dying soon. And um, he was, you know, the, his response, God was so moved by his response that he extended his life for 15 years. You guys got to remember that story? You know, that's, this is all him. Uh, in that, you know, but today we're going to be looking at um, as his effort at reforming the nation. And um, you can look at, if you really want to study him out more, because it is so inspirational, uh, the places where you really want to look at is in 2 Kings 16 through 21, and um, as well as in 2 Chronicles 28 through 33, and then Isaiah 36 through 39. And he is a contemporary of, uh, of, of Isaiah the prophet. Um, all right, so there's that. Um, it, and you know, when uh, um, let's look at uh, let's look at Second Kings chapter eighteen verses five through seven, five through seven, so we can get a glimpse of of, um, of who he was and kind of his legacy, and be inspired by it. How how it is that this this uh, this king, you know, he became king when he was twenty five years old, right? And and his dad was a really bad king. We're going to take a look at that. And just imagine yourself being 20 to 25 years old, and now you have the responsibility of leading, you know, the kingdom of Judah, right? And, and, you, and your dad was a horrible example. And he had, you know, he was not passing along. This. He was actually doing the opposite, you know. And so here he is, and, and just, you know, and just you find your, just a king in great pressure. And I feel like we can really relate to, you know, King Hezekiah. Because it's like, you know, we may sometimes feel under great pressure and alone. And all we really do have is God, first and foremost. And the thing that really stood out to me about, uh, um, about um, just King Hezekiah was that even though a whole bunch of things were going on politically and wars and stuff, that what he first decided to focus in on was the spiritual was the, uh, um, was the moral and the spiritual life of the nation. And I think about for some of us how, you know, you can feel really stuck and things not going well in your life. You know, and, uh, and, 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 and you know, even if, even if you have some things not going well financially, you know, you want to start focusing in on the work and the finances. 
You want to start focusing on the circumstances of what's going on instead of dealing with the spiritual first. Instead of really looking at yourself first. And I know for myself, when I get out of, uh, out of sync from within and I'm not at peace, you know, that's, you know what, my priorities have gone off. And this is one of the decisions that I've had to make, you know, over the last three weeks. I just had to get back to, like Edgar, you know, I'm back at being an info junkie. You know, when the first things you do is you start looking at online and you start reading all what's happening. I love uh, listening on Audible. I listen daily to uh, the uh, Wall Street Journals, right? Uh, um, you know, the five things of the day. And I, it just takes me about 30 minutes. I listen to that. I'm, I'm sorry, listening to that, you know, you know, before all my spiritual stuff. You know, and, and for myself, I really just had to go back. It's like, you know what? I need to put all that second. You know, and, and be able to, to put, you know, and get my priority with my relationship with God first and foremost. And be make sure that I'm praying and getting edified. You know, so we have to start that. And this is the purpose of today. You know, the purpose of, it, of today is for you to really, you know, take some time out to reflect from within and uh, as spiritually. So in Second Kings chapter 18, verse 5 through 7, it says, um, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him uh, among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not cease to follow him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Seir and did not serve him. Isn't that a great legacy passage? Wouldn't you like for that to be said of you? That in everything that you trusted in him, that you held fast to the Lord, and that you, did, you never stopped following him. You know, and, uh, and I just love the, 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 the uh, inspiration. And, and because he trusted in him, God granted him his success. You know, and isn't that the, you don't want your own success, right? You want God's success in your life. You know, and, and, but it all comes from, um, from the trusting in him. And so let's look at Second Chronicles chapter 28. And um, in 19 through 27. Second Chronicles 28, 19 through um, 27. And let's look at, um, let's look at how his... Uh, his father was, okay? And um, in 19, it says, uh, The Lord had uh, humbled Judah because of Ahaz, king of Israel. This is uh, Hezekiah's dad. For he promoted wickedness in Judah and had been most unfaithful to the Lord. Tiglamath, Priyasar, king of Assyria, came to him, but he gave him trouble instead of help. Ahaz took some of the things from the temple of the Lord and from the royal palace and from the princes and presented them to the king of Assyria, but that did not help him. In his time of trouble, King Ahaz became even more unfaithful to the Lord. He offered sacrifices to the gods of Damascus who had defeated him, for he thought, since the gods of the kings of Aram have helped them, I will sacrifice to them so they will help me. But they were, but they were his downfall and the downfall of all of Israel. Ahaz, ga- Ahaz gathered together the furnishings from the temple of God and took them away. He shut the doors of the temple 
and set up altars at every street corner in Jerusalem. In every town in Judah, he built his high places to burn sacrifices to other gods and provoked the Lord, the God of his fathers, to anger. The, father, uh, the other events of his reign and all his ways from beginning to end are written in the book of the king Judah and Israel. Ahaz rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of Jerusalem, but he was not placed in the tombs of the kings of Israel. And Hezekiah, his son, succeeded him as king. Imagine you stepping in after that. You know, and, and you know what, and this is what, you know, Hezekiah inherited, you know, and, uh, and, and we can understand, I have someone that calls me, constantly calls me up and just is, uh, works seven days a week, and it just, you know, and I try to tell him spiritually what to do, like, just won't listen, you know, and just constantly, and it keeps trusting in the wrong things. You know, and we have to make sure we're trusting in the right things, you know. But it makes me think how this is, uh, um, this ourselves, we can relate to the, some of the things that, some of the messes that we've inherited. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You know, the stuff that it's just like, it's not even our fault. You know, but, but now we find ourselves with some, some messy things. Some things that have been thrown out, certain convictions that have been thrown out, Right? And now it's up to us to be able to restore them. You know, and it's, it's time for us to individually, because that's where it starts first and foremost. And that's the great thing about King Hezekiah. He didn't have anybody else. He was looking at himself first and with God. You know, and so, um, and, you know, and, and our convictions may have gotten messy and they're not clean anymore. Our discipline may have gotten messy and not clean. You know, our existence as a church, our purpose is not, you know, clear anymore. Our mission now is to just, is just to survive and not to share and to, you know, um, get the gospel out to others. Can we relate in certain ways in what we've seen? And we're all in this together. And it's not your fault. And it's not my fault. And so we're just like now, we're just here moving forward, right? And so, King, let's look at Second um, Chronicles chapter 29, and I'll read that, and then I'm going to have Tao come up, and he's going to do some sharing, and he's going to give us some practicals, and then I'll come back, and if I need to you know, tie things in, I will. Okay, Second Chronicles chapter 29, we're going to read the whole thing, okay? All right, and just be inspired by the reading, okay? Hezekiah purifies Metro East. <laughs> That's kind of funny, okay. That's our ministry. All right, here we go. Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, a daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. In the first month of the first year of his reign, he opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in the priests and the Levites, assembled them in the square of the east side and said, Listen to me, Levites. Consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of your fathers. Remove all defilement from the sanctuary. Our fathers were unfaithful. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and forsook him. They turned their faces away from the, door, the Lord's dwelling place and turned their backs on him. They also shut the doors of the portico and put out the lamps. They did not burn incense 
and, and present any burnt offerings at the sanctuary to the God of Israel. Therefore, the anger of the Lord had fallen on Judah and Jerusalem. He has made them an object of dread and horror and scorn, as you can see with your own eyes. Verse 9. This is why our fathers have fallen by the sword and why our sons and daughters and our wives are in captivity. Now, I intend to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that his fierce anger will turn away from us. My sons, do not neglect, do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him and serve him to minister before him and to burn incense. These Levites set to work from the Glenites. That's the Glen, that's. And we read them from the McLaughlinites. That's verse 14. From whom? From the Morrisites. And from the Sanchites. Verse 14. And we skip down to verse 15, Amir. And it says, when they had assembled their brothers and consecrated themselves, they went in to purify the temple of the Lord as the king had ordered, following the word of the Lord. Verse 16, the priests went into the sanctuary of the Lord to purify it. They brought out the courtyard of the Lord's temple, everything unclean that they found in the temple of the Lord. The Levites took it and carried it out to the Kindron Valley. They began the consecration of the first, on the first day of the first month. And by the eighth day of the month, they reached the portico of the Lord. For eight more days, they consecrated the temple of the Lord itself, finishing on the sixteenth day of the first month. When they, went into the, they, when they went into King Hezekiah and reported, We have purified the temple of the Lord, the altar of burnt offering with all, it, all its utensils, and the table for setting out for settling out, um, setting out the consecrated bread with all its articles. We have prepared and consecrated all the articles that King Ahaz removed in his unfaithfulness while he was king. They are, they are now in front of the Lord's altar. Early the next morning, King Hezekiah gathered the city officials together and went up to the temple of the Lord. They brought seven bulls, seven rams, seven male lambs, seven male goats, and a sin offering for the kingdom, for the sanctuary, and for Judah. The king commanded the priest, the descendants of Aaron, to offer these on the altar of the Lord. So they slaughtered the bulls, and the priest took the blood and sprinkled it on the altar. Next, they slaughtered the rams and sprinkled their blood on the altar. Then they slaughtered the lambs and sprinkled their blood on the altar. The goats for, uh, for the sin offering were brought before the king of the assembly, and they laid their hands on them. The priest then slaughtered the goats and presented their blood on the altar for a sin offering to atone for all of Israel because the king had ordered the burnt offerings and the sin offering as well. Thank God for Jesus, right, and his sacrifice so we don't have to do that anymore. But in verse 25 it says, He stationed the Levites in the temple of the Lord with cymbals, harps, and lyres in the way prescribed by David and Gad, the king's seer, and Nathan the prophet. This was commanded by the Lord through his prophets. So the Levites stood ready with David's instruments and the priests with the trumpets. Hezekiah gave the order to sacrifice the burnt offerings on the altar. As the offerings began, singing to the Lord began also, accompanied by trumpets and instruments, David, uh, king of Israel. The whole assembly bowed in worship while the singers sang and the trumpeteers played. 
All this continued until the sacrifice of the burnt offering was completed. When the offerings were finished, the king and everyone present with him knelt down and worshipped. King Hezekiah and his officials ordered the Levites to praise the Lord with the words of David and Asaph the seer. So they sang praises with the gladness and bowed their heads and worshipped. Then King Hezekiah um, said, You have now dedicated yourselves to the Lord. Come and bring sacrifices and thank offerings to the temple of the Lord. So the assembly brought sacrifices and thank offerings, and all whose hearts were willing brought burnt offerings. The number of burnt offerings the assembly brought was 70 bulls and 100 rams and 200 male lambs, all of them for burnt offerings to the Lord. The animals consecrated as sacrifices amounted to 600 bulls and 3,000 sheep and goats. The priests, however, were too few to skin all the burnt offerings. So their kinsmen, the Levites, helped them until the task was finished and until other priests had been consecrated. For the Levites had been more conscientious in consecrating themselves than the priests had been. There were burnt offerings in abundance together with the fat of the fellowship offerings and the drink offerings that accompanied the burnt offerings. So the service of the temple of the Lord was reestablished. Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced at what God had brought about for his people because it was done so quickly. Yeah. Isn't that inspiring? Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, I'm going to have Tao come up and share his things that he got out. He's going to share some different points. But my calling to us, guys, is let's be like the Levites where it says they were more conscientious than even the priests were. And the priests weren't even that conscientious about their repentance, about their, that there were so few of them to serve. That then, you know, the Levites, which today would have been probably like the ushers, the, you know, the servants, this works, right? But my calling to us is, it just says, you know, hey, don't be negligent now. And be conscientious of, your, of, of what's going on on the inside. Amen. Uh, with that, guys, here's Tao, and uh, we're going to have him share. Let's give him our attention, and then I'll come up and close this out. All right, Tao. Hey, Kurt, your phone. It's okay, it's recording. Or someone's phone. No, it's mine. Okay. All right, good morning. Uh, the most I've spoken was 10 minutes communions when I did, so um, please bear with me. Um, I think, well, our household, we've been going to uh, physical cleansing lately. First of all, we, we try to rearrange our furniture and to make it more kids-friendly and kind of redecorate. We had a patio done, and they exposed the wood beam, and there are a lot of termite damage. So they'll take it out and do a thorough cleaning of the patio. And then Eileen had a stone in her gallbladder, so she had surgery to remove it. So we're going to have to have a change of diet, uh, cleansing of greasy, fatty food. And uh, so that's been our theme. Um, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm just inspired by reading when I read this, and I, I don't know what it's going to look like for us. And um, something I want to share is... Uh, you know, with Ahaz, there was a period of drifting and stagnant. You know, it said that he shut the temple door, and around every corner, there's an altar. Um, so people had no place to worship. It's kind of like every corner, there's 
There's a Madonna every corner here. When you drive to church, there's, a, there's an altar to worship. Um, but then when you go to verse 29, verse, verse 5, he said, Consecrate yourself now and consecrate the temple of the Lord. Um, and I like how, he, you know, it's consecrate me to declare sacred. And how he said, consecrate yourself. And then consecrate the temple. And to me, it's, it inspired me to look at how I can work on myself. And then the temple is a church. You know, how I can help make the church better as well. And, um, and it's a recurring theme. Uh, remove all defilement. Verse 15. They want in to purify the temple. Verse 28. We have purified the temple. And we are the temple of God as a church. And um, some question I had for a faker was, how can each of us purify ourselves? And what are some uncleanliness, defilement personally, and as, as a ministry that we need to be purified of? And um, in verse 20 to 36, Actually, let's go to 36. So the service of the temple of the Lord was reestablished. Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced at what God had brought about for his people because it was done so quickly. And I'm just inspired at how things can turn around quickly. And, you know, it, it, it could be a quick start, but at the same time, we got to be careful that it's not a superficial quick fix. And then later on, it's, there's no depth to our growth. But we know that God's hand was with them. And if we're unified, we can make decisions individually and collectively to change things around quickly. And um, God gave in verse, verse 12. And I'm sorry, give me a second. Chapter 30, verse 12. Also in Judah, the hands of God was on the people to give them unity of mind, to carry out what the king and his official had ordered, following the word of the Lord. And, um, you know, that could be a specific prayer, how, uh, somehow that we can have unity of mind. And... And I'm encouraged that God hears their prayer in verse 20. And the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. Um, and finally, at the end, you, I see great rejoicing. Verse chapter, verse chapter 30 again, verse 21. They celebrated the festival of unleavened bread for seven days with great rejoicing. 23. For another seven days, they celebrated joyfully. Verse 26. There was great joy in Jerusalem. And, you know, three times you mentioned they had joy because they repented together. They were 
united in mind, drew closer to God and one another. And, um, you know, somehow we got to go back to the basic. And, you know, there was a time when we had this joy, when we're unified and we feel connected. And um, I think... Um, We just gotta start back to the basic, and something that that came to me was, you know, as I look up of cleansing, I, I see just what a mess I am, and I can get overwhelmed. But I know I need to start small, you know, just my character flaw, uh, how isolated I can be, and um, how I can focus on myself, and um, you know, I think. What this passage led me to was Isaiah. Okay, during the same time, um, Isaiah was a counseling prophet for Hezekiah. And in the book, in the book of Isaiah, um, in the beginning, it's mostly about God pronouncing judgment on, on different nations. And it can get discouraging, you know, I, I, the first day, you know, okay, Egypt, you're next. Then Ephraim. Then the next day, it's this country's turn to get punished. Um, and for a while, I, I almost want to stop reading. And they, all the country were at their low. But then one thing that stood out to me was, you know, ironically, God expressed some of the most heartfelt and affection towards his people. Uh, I think even more than, than Psalm, because Psalm is about David describing God. But Isaiah, towards the end, is, is God really talking, expressing his word to how he felt towards people. And please go to Isaiah So despite disciplining this country, God expressed some affection. And he said, um, but now, what, this is what the Lord say. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the river, they will not sweep you over. When you walk through the fire, you will not burn. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give you in exchange people in exchange for you, nation in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. And it's, you know, at their low, at their stagnation, God is calling them precious and honor and, and how God protects them. And again, go to verse, there, there are like three more, verse 40, go down to 46, verse 3.
There we go. Listen to me, you descendant of Jacob, all the remnant of the people of Israel, you whom I have upheld since your birth and have carried since you were born, even to your old age and gray hair. I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you, and I will carry you. I will sustain you, and I will rescue you. And, you know, this affection, he will carry us since we were born. And chapter 54, verse 10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who had compassion. And just the, the, the rock-solid love of God and how his love for us cannot be shaken. And finally, 62, verse 3 to 4. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. No longer will they call you desolate, deserted, and your name desolate, but you will be called Hebisba and your land Belua, for the Lord will take delight in you, and your land will be married. As a young man marries young, a young woman, so your builder marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. And, um, you know, I like this intimate word of God. You know, we picture a God who rejoices over us. You know, the, the comparing, there's a wedding, a marriage to God. Um, we're a royal diadem. And Balua means married. And, um, Hespispa means my light, my delight is in her. And it's, it's kind of ironic because why is God expressing this to them during the low? And, you know, I, I'm reminded that God was, God still loved the sinner. And I just want to encourage you that, you know, we would not be where we're at, but the basic is, you know, this is how God feels about us. And, and that should be, you know, I need to hold on to a healthy view of God to start. You know, I'm a mess, but we're a mess. But God is with us and feels this way about us as well. And, you know, question is, can I trust God to love me and take care of me completely? And I need to believe that. And because why, why cleanse? Why be sold out? Why sacrifice? my time and energy, if I am not anchoring God's love. And um, so during, you know, and, and the whole concept of cleansing and the view of God is, is, is very powerful. Just to make a quick, a quick point, recovery program, this, well, three things, this is the two things they worked on. They work on their view of God, number one. There's a saying there, it's, you know, find God or die in their desperation. And second thing they do, house cleaning, but they call it taking inventory. 
And they use this concept and they're able to overcome their addiction. And, you know, how much more do we need to hold on to a view of God? And, um, you know, I just want to encourage you, if you want to know how God feels about you, read Isaiah and highlight all the scripture that tells how God feels about you. And um, so, you know, to start for me is how cleansing start with a healthy view of God, his love and his protection in our life. Well, um, and uh, some, some thought for me and for us to consider is a sense of belonging. I, you know, I, my sense of belonging is not, is very low. I think I mostly connect with our, our faith group. It's very encouraging when we go there. Um, but I need to go after it more. And, you know, I look at our fellowship here. I'm not close to a lot of you. And I don't take the action to, to work on that. And, um, and I remember, you know, as a ministry, we do need that connection. I remember uh, one brother that transferred here with me and his wife going through some stuff. And uh, I noticed that he, he comes and he sits by himself most of the time. And I was concerned. And eventually he stopped coming. And I, I realized part of that there could be many reasons, but one reason could be he doesn't have that connection. And after a while, he stopped coming. And um, one thing that inspired me, one brother actually that inspired me, is, is Jimmy Flower. And Jimmy. He, we, you know, he, he gets up late for faith, and he has, a, he has a hard time sometimes to go to a faith group. But he always makes it even late. And to the point where, you know, we start at 7.30, sometime 8 o'clock, he would make it. And, um, and one time, I, as a joke, we, we didn't have a chair for him. And sure enough, halfway, I'm like, oh, my lack of faith. So after that, um, we always have a chair because he know he'll come. And, um, but what makes him want to come? I, I think that he, he feels connected, and he really wants to be there. Um, and my concern is, and that's something I need to work on, and, and also my concern is, you know, there seems to be less connection among us because we don't have midweek. And I don't know how we are with faith group, can you get up for daytime? Um, and it seems like we mostly function with faith group and church on Sunday. And, but how can we connect and build a sense of belonging if we're not meeting together. And so kind of like Jimmy, so how can we change to feel like I really want to be there? I'm going to make every effort. And um, I know that we need meeting with the body, so let me, let me kind of change it to a question, and if you can, we, we can all reflect on this. What do I need in a meeting with the body to be excited to get there? And for me, I need connection. I need to feel safe. I need a, a sense of purpose when I get there. And um, this may sound selfish. I need to get something out of it when I show up. Um, and, you know, please, um, this is only for your personal reflection. On a scale of 1 to 10, how do you feel like you belong 
in our ministry. Maybe take 10 seconds. How connected do you feel? And how can we foster a better sense of belonging? Uh, second thing is how I see myself drifting. Um, before I had a child, I, you know, I served in Kiss Kingdom and be there at 915 for the communion. And I showed up. And the sister that I, I served with would come late after 10. And I, I would struggle. I would get critical. And, you know, I didn't talk to her, but I'm like, but then fast forward now, I surf in Kiss Kingdom again. And I find myself thinking, well, I just get, if I get there by 10, I'm okay. And um, I realize, hey, over time, I'm just like her as well. You know, I went from being on time to, okay, as long as. I make it before 10 o'clock. So I think in a way, I, I unconsciously justify what others are doing. You know, okay, they're late, so it's, it's, it's okay too. And, um, and please don't take this along the wrong way. I think even, you know, I'm, I'm sitting, I came here and it was 10.02, so I thought I'd count how many people are here. And at 10.02, there were, there were 13 people um, that are actually in the auditorium. And so, I don't know, when I was in the single, we had, in the same week, we had daytime on Tuesday, Wednesday, I go to midweek, Thursday is our faith group, and occasionally we have Friday night's event, Bible studies, and Saturday date. And, and that was my mindset back then. Um, but now, it's, it's mostly faith group and church. And every now and then, you know, I get with, with Jimmy, I get with, with James. But I know that from my heart, I need more to stay, feel connected. Um, and for us, I think that we, you know, mid, we don't have midweek. And, you know, if we... I guess my concern is that we be careful that we can we can just a week become just going to faith group and going to church as well. Um, and then um, we we can direct indirectly influence each other by example. You know, it's it's to over time. You know, careful that. Um, it's okay not to go to midweek get together. Um, everyone is late, so I don't need to rush uh, midweek. Well, there's only eight people here, so I guess it's not that important. So I'll go when I can. Um, so I thought that my my example can negatively influence everyone as well. And, um, so some some basic. So you know those three things. I think just. Um, our view of God is, is important, you know, just, and consider sense of belonging. How can we foster a better sense of belonging? And slowly drifting, you know, and how can we get back to the basic? I, 
One thing that inspired me was It said um, in the reading, as for scribe in the law of Moses. So when they were trying to help cleanse, they kept referring back to the Bible. Um, they went back to the basic. They didn't complicate it. And I think that's for me too. You know, what basic can we go back to as well? And, you know, um, you know the, the ideal is you know, the idea was, hey, God love us. We're in the same church family. Um, the idea is we want to be together. We encourage each other. Um, but then the reality is we're, not, we're far from that ideal. But we know the idea. We can go back to that ideal as well. Um, I don't want us to feel burdened by things I'm sharing about. I think, you know, understanding God's love can help us not feel burdened. We, we do these things because God loved us. And um, for me, I think, uh, what can I do personally? I, I was going to share something, but I, I realized what one thing that stood out was forgiveness. Um, I talked about it was, was with someone, but I having Every time I think of this this person, the resentment comes back, and I talk about it. But what I don't do is I don't consistently pray about for this person. I don't consistently uh, bring it to God. And so I don't know. I'm I'm driving, and then the thought came back, and then the hurt came back. Um, and it does kind of cripple my energy in my connection to God, and I know that for me, I, I have to take the action to pray for this brother and to, to bring it to God. And um, what can I do corporately to help? You know, I want to start small. I'm not going to do anything major. It's, it's embarrassing. I, know I want to be on time because I know that I encourage. And for us, you know, I want to encourage you, start small. You know, what, what can you do corporately to help? And number two, what can you, one thing that you can work on yourself as well. What defilement, what things that you can be cleansed of in your heart as well. Um, and, um, you know, take this time to just look at ourselves. Uh, for example, we, uh, Jesus Salcedo planned a movie night with the brothers and we had dinner, we saw a movie. Uh, it was an inspiring movie. And then I think the five were talking after the movie, yeah, let's have a, a men's get-together, a men's event for the summer. And we wanted to do it. And it turns out each of us were waiting for someone to step up. And it didn't happen. So whatever is on your heart to do, you know, take action. Don't wait for someone to step up as well. Um, and, you know, we, Robert Korea was coming, and, you know, I don't, we, you know, at the same time, we shouldn't put all the pressure on him to fix it, you know, kind of like, oh, we've been going through this struggle for five years, so go ahead and change this in a way, but we got to do our part. And uh, just to close it out with two scripture, uh, 
Ephesians 4, 16. From him the whole body joined together and held, joined and held together by every supporting ligaments, grows and builds up in love as each part does its work. So um, corporal cleansing is biblical, but you know, we can do it, we need each other. And each part does its work. We need each of us to do our part. And finally, Second Peter 1, 5. Five. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have this knowledge, and we add to what we know, we persevere, we have self-control to carry this out. It said that it will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And um, thank you. Amen. We can get everyone who came up here and spoke today and the song leaders a hand as well. Thank you.